You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Horizons Church Podcast. We have another exciting installment for you. I'm saying it like this is an old radio serial, like... (laughs) What was that that Ralphie watches in A Christmas Story? Little Orphan Annie? Little Orphan Annie. Did you ever listen to that? That I am not that old. I... I didn't listen around radio, listening to radio shows. I had television. I had black and white television, but I had television. Maybe Ralphie had television, and maybe he just liked the drama of Little Orphan Annie. Has 12 years gone by? 12 years? Because you only asked me to be on this show every 12 years. Has 12 <laughs> years gone <laughs> yes. by? That's the recurring joke. That's going to be our joke. 12 years. 12 years without the podcast. The last time I spoke on this show, it was 2006 Advent. Wow, that is not true. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> That's my father, everyone, in case that wasn't clear. That's Quint Pitts, lead pastor of Horizons Church. Perhaps you've heard of it. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have. Nobody and, else is going to listen and to chances us. Chances are, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're one of the uh, folks who attend, probably. So, actually, we get listeners from all around the place. Really? Yeah, Why? in the continental U.S. I'm My guess would be it's just people traveling out of the area. People but, with nothing else to do, obviously. Yeah, or... Get a life, people. That, wow, that's, that's rude. <laughs> that's rude to our listeners. Thank you. We are going to talk today about spiritual resiliency. And would you mind to provide us quickly with a definition of resiliency and uh, why it's important for the Christian in particular, because that word may be meaningless to some folks. Resiliency, what's that? Why does that matter? Why would we talk about that? I have no idea what the Webster's Dictionary says, but my idea of resiliency is the ability to bounce back from difficult occurrences, struggles, uh, occasions in your life. Get through them and bounce back. That is a key skill for anyone to have, and especially, I think, Christian. Tis. Right? Yeah. Because as Christians, as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul promised in 1 Thessalonians we would have trials, struggles, and we would face hardship. He said that is a guarantee, basically, that is going to happen in your life, which means you ought to be prepared to bounce back. Right? So you were a chaplain for 20 years, and I have a sneaking suspicion you dealt with this not just from a military perspective, as in as a military force, you were dealing with folks who on a battlefield might have had to bounce back from a literal battle defeat Mm -hmm. or some sort of setback or something that didn't go as planned, perhaps. But you also dealt with it, of course, in the spiritual realm. So when it comes to this topic of spiritual resiliency, what guidance do you offer to folks? What kind of things would you have said as a chaplain? And what kind of counsel would you offer to folks now who are facing a situation that requires them to be able to bounce back? Yeah, you know, that was the one thing that the U.S. military agrees with us Christians about, that resiliency is a spiritual issue. I mean, even secular generals, admirals admitted that it's the soul and the spirit of the soldier that is responsible and is what allows a soldier to bounce back from difficulty. Now, of course, a lot of people listening in the audience have never served in the military, never will serve in the military, but resiliency is not an issue solely for the military, obviously. It became a huge issue in my life in 2003 when I went to Iraq for the first time and my colonel, I'd never met this 
man. I was among total strangers. I was always called up onesie. You know, I never got to go to war with a band of brothers. I, I went to war with a bunch of people I didn't know. So I arrived on the scene the night we crossed into Iraq in the Operation Iraqi Freedom. And Colonel Pomfret calls me back to his command post. He had a rolling amphibious assault vehicle. He turned into a command post. And he said, Chaplain, I need you to be an unanxious presence in the midst of that chaos out there. An unanxious presence in the midst of chaos. And I thought, you know what? That's not a bad coach line for Christians that we're yeah. supposed to be unanxious presence in the mix of chaos. And I gave him my best John Wayne impersonation, said, you can count on me, sir. And I walked back to my Humvee <laughs> thinking, I don't know if I can do this or not. <laughs> you know? No idea if I can do this or not. And I, I spent that night what was left of it because we had a huge artillery barrage that went out for about six hours. And I, I spent that night talking to God about that. You know, mm -hmm. how am I going to be an unanxious presence in the midst of chaos? Which that is a tall order, I think. Because, okay, in that situation, you're literally about to go to war, and you're the one guy that's expected to uh, be calm, cool, and collected. You that's know? what he told like, me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, now, I may go crazy, but you can't. You cannot. You have to be an unanxious <laughs> presence in the midst of chaos. So, if that is a sort of rallying cry, not just for a military chaplain, but for Christians who are also engaged in a spiritual war, right? That's what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the principalities of this present darkness. How can Christians, wherever they happen to be, do that? How can they practice being in unanxious presence? in the midst of chaos, because that's a tall order for anyone, I feel like, even yeah, in it is. perhaps the humdrum of just daily living. Like, I'm about to be a father, and that sounds like a tall order for me. Right, <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> yeah. I think anytime you're encountering something that is something you haven't encountered before, like combat or fatherhood or motherhood, or you're taking on your first job, or you're going to school for the first day or your first day of college, I mean, you have no idea how things are going to go. And Here's what I came up with that night in Iraq or in Kuwait, right on the border of Iraq. I came up with three really strong beliefs that gave me perspective. Mm -hmm calmed my emotions. My first thing was I talked to God and I'm one of these crazy people that think God talks back to you, right? <laughs> my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. That was something Jesus said. So I believe him. So I said, God, I don't know how to pull this off. I'm not sure I can. And the word that came back to me that night was, what do you believe? Mm -hmm. What do you believe? And so I started going through the creeds Mm -hmm. And some beliefs in the creeds are helpful. All of them are true, but mm -hmm. some of them are helpful about calming my emotions and putting things into perspective. Mm -hmm. For example, the inerrancy of the scriptures, I believe in that, but it yep. doesn't necessarily calm my emotions. Right. It doesn't necessarily give me perspective. The Trinity, I believe in the Trinity, but it doesn't necessarily calm my emotions and it doesn't necessarily put things in perspective for me. The deity of Christ, mm -hmm. I believe in the deity of Christ. It doesn't necessarily calm my emotions. It doesn't right. necessarily put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. What I came up with was three, and I called these things my spiritual compass mm -hmm. for the time in Iraq. Three beliefs. Nobody has to talk me into them. Nobody can talk me out of them. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. You got some core beliefs inside of you that nobody has to, hey, I'm your cheerleader today. You got to believe these things. There's things in your soul that you don't have to have cheerleaders telling you to believe them. And there's no way a skeptic can talk you out of them. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, that God is with me even when I feel like I'm alone. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was a big deal in Iraq. 
because yeah. I literally knew not a single human being that I was with. Very so, lonely place. <laughs> very lonely. But God, I believe that God is with me. I mean, here's what Jesus said about it. Time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each of you to his own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. Yeah. Jesus was in that situation where people were abandoning him and he felt lonely, but he said, nope, nope, I'm not alone. My father's with me. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that on March 19th, 2003, I believed it. Yeah. Nobody could talk me into it. Nobody could talk me out of it. I really believed it. Yeah. The second belief that I came away with that night was God's presence is my source of peace, not my circumstances. Mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't going to be in any peaceful circumstances over the next several weeks. No. <laughs> but I didn't rely on peaceful circumstances. If I have to have a life that says, well, I can only be at peace when things are going well, man, I'm not going to have much peace in my life. No, so you will not. <laughs> Jesus is my source of peace. His presence in my life is my source of peace. And my third belief that I really kind of took home that night was all hardships, difficulties, struggles are temporary yeah. in this life. I'm not going to experience anything in this life. What's the worst thing that can happen to me in Iraq? I could get killed. Actually, I thought getting captured would be worse than getting killed. But even that, it's a temporary thing. You know, yeah. if I had been captured in 2003 and I was still a prisoner, it's still temporary. Yeah. 15 years later, but it's still temporary. <laughs> no matter what I'm going through on this planet, it's temporary. So those three beliefs, I'm not alone even when I feel like it. Jesus is my source of peace, not my circumstances. And any kind of struggle, difficulty is temporary. It's only temporary. Those three beliefs were what I settled on that night. Those three beliefs will bring calm to my emotions. Mm -hmm. And those three beliefs will give me perspective. Yeah, those are great. I find those very helpful myself. And I think they're very true. That is a lot to process intellectually in a moment when you're rolling across the border and, you know, inevitably there's gunfire blazing around you. I'm guessing, and only guessing, you probably didn't have time to think, stop, God is with me. Uh, you know, Jesus <laughs> right. is, uh, you know, he's, he's my source of peace in these circumstances. Was there any particular way you maybe trained yourself to recall those beliefs in yeah, you know, a quick moment? Yeah, you're exactly right. You're anticipating me, actually. That's exactly what I thought. I was actually lying under the Humvee because I was trying to get some alone time. You know, <laughs> there's no alone time when you're the battalion of Marines, you know? Uh, yes. All right, so it's dark, and I'm laying under the Humvee thinking nobody will bother me under there talking to God about this stuff. And I came up with those three beliefs, but I said, you know, it's not practical <laughs> yeah. if I encounter these difficulties, which I, like you said, being shot at, it's exhilarating <laughs> being shot at and, <laughs> and missed. missed. <laughs> if you get hit, it's not, a, that's not very exhilarating, but getting shot at and missed is exhilarating. We took our first casualties in the Ramallah oil field, and that was a devastating blow to me. In fact, the guy that got killed that first day was a West Virginia native. Shane Childers was his name. But that day, I couldn't sit. And if you're at work or if you're at school or if you're birthing your first child, you can't just sit there and repeat over and over again, God is with me even when I feel alone. Jesus is the source of my peace, not my circumstances. And everything's temporary. You can't really keep doing that. So what I had to do was I had to come up with a three to five word phrase that I could say. Yeah. And I did. I said it out loud a lot of times. Right. I still do. Mm-hmm. I still do. I use this three word phrase over and over again. And I think it's like a primer on a pump. You know, mm-hmm. when I say those three words, automatically my soul just fills up with those beliefs. Right. Jesus is with me even when I feel alone. Jesus is the source of my peace even when I'm feeling the circumstances aren't. 
and everything's temporary, all these struggles. When I say these three words, it's what pulls that up. Now, everybody's going to have a different one. Mm -hmm. Everybody will have a different phrase. Everybody will have different beliefs, core beliefs. Those three core beliefs are mine, okay? They may not help you. Mm -hmm. You may have something that is more meaningful as far as calming your emotions and putting things into perspective. I think everybody's a little bit different on that. So I don't offer this as a formula. Mm -hmm. I don't think formulas work here. I think you have to talk to God, really look into your soul and say, hey, what do I believe? And then you can come up with a three to five word phrase. And I called that my spiritual compass, the three to five word phrase. And I said it, I started saying it in 2003 and for the last 15 years, when I feel like I'm going through something really horrible and difficult, I say these three words. It is well. Like the old hymn. The old hymn. It's one of my favorite hymns, maybe my favorite all-time hymn. And every time I say those words, the words of that song come rushing back. The words that I just said about my beliefs come rushing back. And the story. Mm-hmm. Horatio Spafford wrote that hymn. And you ought to Google it. If you don't know the story, Google the story because the story is amazing how that he went through this horrible tragedy and he bounced back. He was yeah. resilient and uh, he communicates his resilience in the words of the hymn. Yeah. That kind of actually reminds me of an ancient church discipline, which was breath prayers. Yeah. They had a Greek phrase they used. It was kind of like Kyrie eleison, Christi eleison, right? right? Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Same kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? It was something that gave you an anchor point or a compass to throughout the course of the day, you know, when you're not going to have time to sink to your knees and give even two or three minutes of prayer, you're doing something and you need to remember the things that are core to your beliefs and your trust in God. And so you say... It is well, or Kyrie Eliason, Christie Eliason. That's actually, I if you adopted that. you want to that. speak Greek, you can do it in English. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, it's <laughs> funny you mentioned that because after I knew you had done this, and I think you've probably shared some of this in sermons in the I past. did. Yeah, I preached a sermon on it several years ago. So I took that practice, and mine was, Lord Jesus, have mercy, which that has been my kind of phrase that to this day, you can ask my resident, Lucas Jarrett. He'll hear me say that out loud multiple <laughs> times a day because, you know, Lord knows I need it. And I think that's a very helpful practice for folks to... To consider in light of the circumstances of their day, because I'm sure that... Well, it's very practical. Yeah. I taught young guys and gals going off to boot camp. I taught them what I just said. I taught young guys going into combat for the first time. I taught them this. I taught special forces guys that had been in combat, you know, for literally 10 years, almost Mm -hmm. constant combat. And I taught them this. And invariably, even guys who had no faith at all, Mm -hmm. I'd tell these guys, because I was talking to a lot of non-Christians as a chaplain, I'd say, you've got core beliefs inside of you, even if you're not a Christian. Now, we Christians have a huge advantage here. Right. A huge advantage over our secular humanist friends, but they have core beliefs. You know, I had a gunnery sergeant who, you know, he said over and over again, it's all temporary. It's all temporary. He said that if he said that once a day, he said it a dozen times a day. It's all temporary. So that's a core belief. You can tap into that Mm -hmm. and still have this calming for your emotions and put things in perspective for you. It's the only way to get through these hard times, I think. Absolutely. And as we said earlier, hard times are bound to come and you can let that paralyze you and uh, strike you with fear and immobilize you to do nothing or you can press into it. Or make you turn your back on God. How many Christians? 
Christians do you see doing that? I mean, pretty mm-hmm. shallow Christians, but golly, I'm just stunned at how unresilient, if that's a word, I don't even know that's a word, but how Christians in America today expect everything to go well. Right. And if things aren't going well, then God's abandoned me, that God hates me, or he's holding out on me, or he's not good, you know, and they just walk away from their faith. They walk away from church for the slightest little problem. And Jesus never promised us a rose garden. Ah, yes. Zach wants to (laughs) sing that song this Sunday. I know he does. He never promised us that. He promised us peace, but he promised it as a result of his presence, not because of the circumstances. Right. I mean, golly, the first time I remember him saying that, he's sitting in the upper room. He's getting ready to hit the cross. I mean, in a city that's boiling over with hatred for him, right. he looks at his disciples and says, my peace I give to you. Yeah. I and mean, that's a head scratcher. It know? sure is. <laughs> I mean, obviously... <laughs> His peace has nothing to do with the circumstances. Yeah, especially in a culture like ours that I think we have unwittingly, I think, adopted the American ideal that all there is is comfort. And if you don't have your comfort, you've lost everything. If you don't have your you know, convenience, yeah. convenience, all that, all that's, that's if you've lost that, you've essentially lost everything. And, you know, if you don't have Christ, that could be true. In a sense, you've already lost everything if you don't have Christ, but we Absolutely. won't get into that right now. <laughs> but um, I think that is something that as Christians, especially preparing to face hardship and knowing that that will come in our lives, regardless of what we do, or what we believe that's going to happen. I'm actually reminded, as we wrap this up here, of uh, C.S. Lewis, actually. I just watched the film Shadowlands. Did mm-hmm. you ever see that? I one? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony yeah. Hopkins played C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I did that as sermon research for one of my more recent sermons, which that was fun research. But it's the story of how he met his wife and fell in love, which was totally foreign to him because he's he had lived this life as a basically confirmed bachelor. He was settled in a professional routine. You know, he's this beloved intellectual and Christian philosopher. And then he meets this woman and his world gets turned upside down. And of course she has cancer and she ends up dying. And he is wrestling with this because now he has to face this experience of hardship that up to that point in his life, he had written a lot about suffering and he had suffered, but this is a new experience of it. And he had to tap into what he really, really believed about God. And he questions that. And at the end of the movie, and I can't remember if he actually wrote this in A Grief Observed or not, but at least at the end of the movie, it closes the lines, I was faced with a choice when it came to suffering and love. The boy chose safety, which is to say, you know, he chose to back off and not love and not live a full life, which is what I think Christians tend to do when they face hardship in America. They want to back off and say, I'm going to choose safety and just get myself out of this. But then he says, the man chooses suffering and is willing to face up to the fact that that's going to happen. And he bounces back and he lives into his life and he's grateful for what he has experienced. And I wonder if he had a compass. Yeah, you know, I'm, I bet he did. I'm sure he did, knowing knowing old C.S. Lewis there. But There's a guy named, I want to say John Van Epp. I may not have the first name right, but Van Epp is the last name. And I know he's written on this. He's written on that subject. He studied um, Shackelford and the guys that got stuck in the Antarctic. I mean, you talk about a story. Yeah. Google Shackelford in the Antarctic. My gosh, I think they made a movie about it. It was an old black and white film. But anyway, those guys, their resiliency and their desire to survive, it's legendary. I mean, not they were years involved in execrating themselves from this horrible position. And um, Van Epp did some studies on that crew mm-hmm. of that ship and Shackelford himself, who led the expedition. And it's just amazing. But that was the thing. There are core beliefs inside of every person, especially Christians. We've got some core beliefs 
You don't have to have people talk you into it, and nobody can talk you out of it. What are those? Find out what those two or three core beliefs are that give you perspective and calm your emotions. Again, some of the creeds, we believe all that, but it's not necessarily helpful to my emotions and my perspective. Find some things that you really believe that bring calm to your emotions and perspective, and then find a way to call that up. Right. It'll make a difference. It really does. I mean, it's the closest thing to a trick I have (laughs) in my, you know, I'm not much for formulas and tricks, but I think it's one of the closest things I have to a hack. Maybe that's a better word. A life hack. That's a hack that you can tap into, you know, if you can fit it on a bumper sticker and it is well is mine. You said that Jesus uh, have mercy is yours or Lord have mercy is yours. I mean, everybody in this audience can come up with one of these. Even people if are listening that aren't Christians yet, if you haven't made that decision, there's still some core beliefs inside of you that you can tap into that will bring calm to your emotions and perspective. Yeah. That's what you need in times of difficulty, struggle, suffering. That's what you need to be able to bounce back. Yep. That's resiliency for you. Well, thank you for 12 years later coming back onto the yes. podcast and sharing that. So I guess I'll be back on this show in what, 2031? 2031. 2031, folks. Yeah. I'll see you then. <laughs> I'll be gumming Twinkies by then. How old will I be then? I'll be 67 years old. I'll be like, I won't come on your show. I'll be retired. <laughs> He'll be giving out battlefield tours at Gettysburg <laughs> or something. Going around saying it is well. It yes. is well. I don't I remember, remember why saying. it's well, but it is well. <laughs> uh, well, thank you as always for listening. If you have questions, send them to podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, what have you. If you see us in a coffee shop, you won't see my dad in a coffee shop. I don't shop, do coffee shops. You'll see me and you'll maybe find my father at your closest Chick-fil-A or... Subway. I'm holding a Chick-fil-A cup in my hand even as we speak. See? There you go. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 